from the All Indiana Podcast Network. This is Who's Got Next? Who's Got Next with Wish TV's Charlie Clifford. Now, here's Charlie Clifford. It means a ton. Uh, I'm very thankful to the Ursay family and Chris Boward, Coach Reich, and all my teammates for helping me uh, get to where I am today. And uh, it's, it's great to be staying in Indianapolis, uh, really come to find this place and be my home. You know, being from New Jersey, I've always said I love New Jersey. Uh, I do really love Indiana. I love the people. I love the mid- Midwest. Um, and so it means a lot. And I'm very thankful. Wanted to start with that. Quentin Nelson on his record-setting contract extension uh, post-game in Houston. He also had a very touching moment that we captured on the Wish TV Colts post-game show going up and down the line of Uvalde High School players who were honored at the game after the horrific shooting in their community earlier this year. Big Q, one of a number of Colts players and staffers who spent time with the team on the field after the game and we happened to be live on air when clearly he was going through the line signing and taking selfies with any player who wanted it. It wasn't a uh, in a rush to get on the bus after even what transpired on the field. So two thumbs up to Quentin Nelson and congratulations on a well-deserved extension. This is Who's Got Next. Uh, busy, wild start to week two already, Peter Hood, with... A kicking decision that came down Tuesday evening after a meeting Monday night. Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, we can assume, leaving that meeting, the decision was, hey, Rodrigo Blankenship is out. Let's sleep on it. Let's come back tomorrow. We knew kicker workouts were going to happen regardless. Your level of surprise, one being the least, 10 being the most, that they ultimately decided to move on from Blankenship. What is it? I, I don't think I, I would say like a two in terms of level of surprise. I mean, you and I talked. We I think we both were in the camp of it, it's not time to cut ties yet. You know, in, in other words, he, he deserves another opportunity. I did feel like we left that on Monday yeah. thinking – Based based on my his, gut was like oh, I think he's gonna be back. Yeah, based on his his overall track record, certainly there have been you know you go back to the Baltimore game last year, which we can debate. Obviously, he wasn't fully healthy. He he suffered the hip injury I believe before the game, but he misses a big kick late in that one. And then you add you know what happened in Houston, not only with the the missed field goal, but I think what was maybe more troubling to the Colts was were the two kicks out of bounds right. late in regulation and then in overtime. Um, so you, you add all that up, and it's not surprising that they cut ties, but I do think it's fair to ask the question, and, I, and I, I tweeted this yesterday when the news broke, did the Colts, did this move actually make the Colts better? Because they just cut a guy who, 83% for his career in three years, in favor of a guy in Chase McLaughlin, who is 75% for his career, including from the 40 to 49-yard range. And likely Chase McLaughlin. Likely, correct. likely, yeah. And we'll get into that momentarily. Um, including from the, the 40 to 49-yard range, which is where we saw Rodrigo miss from on Sunday, McLaughlin, for his career, 20-plus attempts is less than 50% from that range. So now from 50-plus yards, he's he's been a lot better and a lot more consistent than Blankenship. So I, wow. I, think, I think it's, you know, 
It's a fair question did, to ask. Did, did this make them better, or or did was this a, a knee-jerk reaction to a guy who had a bad game on Sunday, but his overall track record would indicate that you know he's he's been pretty consistent throughout his career? I've I've said, and and, and we talked about this on Monday. I don't think you can trust Rodrigo Blankenship late in games, um, especially with the lack of leg strength. But at the same time, can you trust Chase McLaughlin? Can you trust this this rookie that you brought in? I don't think so. I don't, at this point, I don't think there's anything to indicate that you can. Uh, you're just crossing your fingers that one of these guys can, can resolve the, the issue long term for you. And Chase McLaughlin has been here before. Right. That's a plus in his camp. And he kicked well in. when he was here. Right. Granted, at that point, Remember, folks, that was the 2019 season. Um, Jacoby Brissett's year that he was moving forward as the stopgap at quarterback. There was legit optimism from the organization in the preseason that, hey, maybe he can be the guy. We found that out after a 5-2 and two start where they totally tanked. So those weren't necessarily pressure kicks when he came in for Adam Vinatieri, when Vinatieri really struggled on the back half of that season. He had struggled in the opener, coincidentally, in Los Angeles. Could have won that game. It was a very similar story. You're looking at the kicking situation, and that was ultimately the, the group that got the most blame. I hope we've approached the Blankenship story with the right tone. I don't want to vilify this young man. He just lost his job yesterday. I think the odds would say he's probably not going to kick in the NFL this season. It's just you're waiting for another kicker to screw up, right? Only 32 jobs out there. And as you said, he doesn't have the booming leg that's going to give him the nod over someone else. He missed the kick in the postseason in Buffalo. That was a shorty. I think in terms of pressure kicks, I mean, he has the one good one against Green Bay. And then he has a couple strikes against him. You brought up the Baltimore game. We weren't sure where his health was. So, anyway, they decide to move on. You have two kickers coming in, Chase McLaughlin, as we said, and then one other uh, – hang on, I'm going to botch his name. Havrasik. Yes, Havrasik, uh, first name of Lucas Havrasik. Yes. Arizona. Bear down. Big leg. 57-yarder in college, hit a couple of them. There you go. Uh, school record, 34-53 at Arizona. I know college, You know he's had time to refine his game from that point. I assume he's uh, he is a rookie, though. He was a college kicker last year, correct? Correct. I believe. Yes. Um, was brought in on a tryout basis, rookie minicamp. I would be stunned. I mean, this is Chase McLaughlin's job, correct? I would, and this I, is someone to kind of push him and create a little competition this week? I, I would think. I mean – to me, logically, Haversick was in here for, for rookie minicamp. You would think that if they saw something there at that point a few months back, that they would have said, okay, we need to bring this guy back to training camp, get him in, in competition. He lost with, right, to, to Jake Verity at some point right, in the discussion. To the, to the, and then Verity obviously loses out to Blankenship um, in training camp. So, yeah, I would think based on his, his NFL experience um, previously – uh, McLaughlin would have to be the favorite uh, to win that job. But, you know, ultimately it's just going to come down to who kicks better in practice over the next few days. And, you know, if Haversek has a good couple of days and McLaughlin kind of struggles, then who knows? We might be seeing a, a rookie out there for the Colts in Jacksonville on Sunday. You don't want to go down that path of, you know, nightmare scenario if you're inside the organization of, okay, well, what if this doesn't work? 
and then this becomes the story around the team. You can't hide from it in the locker room. Um, and there's a high likelihood of that happening. Yeah. I mean, McLaughlin's on his like sixth or seventh team now in four years. There's, I mean, there's, there's a reason he hasn't, he hasn't exactly stuck in the NFL. And then the other guy's a rookie. So there's a good chance that neither of these guys work. And then you're, you're left in a few weeks still, you know, still looking around trying to figure this thing out. If you're Chris Ballard, I think your rebuttal to that is, well, what am I supposed to do? Right. We, we have a team that's ready to win now. I can't give kickers who don't have the pedigree of Adam Vinatieri a free pass. Um, this is, you know, this is the only move I could make. Now, the discussion I want to quickly wrap with you before we bring in Ashlyn Sullivan, the Jaguars team reporter, who has insight into why things have looked even better in Jacksonville despite the week one loss. After Michael Badgley was chosen last year late in the season, you remember Blankenship gets hurt on the primetime game in Baltimore. Badgley is brought in. The money badger starts 14-14 or what have you. Granted, the majority, if not all of those kicks, were from inside 50 yards. It was weird. He didn't attempt a 50-yarder until like two months into his tenure. But the question started – kind of midway through that portion of, hey, how is Blankenship? Oh, well, Badgley's been great, so we're going to give Blankenship extra time. That was the original answer. And then it got to the point of, well, what's going on with Blankenship? Well, Badgley's been great, so we're going to kind of ride with the hot hand. We're not going to cut Blankenship, keep him on pup. You know, he he clearly was healthy at the end of last year, and they stayed with Michael Badgley. What internally gave the Colts the belief that you know, I walked out of last season thinking, okay, I guess, you know, Blankenship's probably going to go by the wayside. I asked Ballard that question in the season-ending press conference. What, you know, what's the plan of kicker? And then at that point, he kind of opened the door to, you know, Badgley was great, but we like Blankenship's upside. We like we like him. We like his upside. We're going to see how that shakes out. They'll, you know, no decisions on that. And clearly, they're – they walked away with, hey, you know what? Despite the fact he knew he was healthy and he had essentially been benched, that this was just going to, you know, be able to go out with the tide and he was going to be able to return to form that they saw early in his rookie year when he was a legit, you know, kicker. To me, looking back, I mean, Rodrigo Blankenship is an extremely detail-oriented kicker. If you look at his Colts bio... He has like 13 superstitions. Yeah. He is very scientific with his, he's not a Matt Prater walk out, look at the ball, kick it a mile and a half. And it looks like, you know, he's not even thinking about it. Everything is very analytical with him. Something tells me first time in his life, he's been benched. He was a high school prodigy national kicker of the year at Georgia. Did they really understand the mental side of things with this? Um, I don't know. Where are you at on that? Yeah. That's very long-winded. On yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think clearly there there was something about Rodrigo that they liked enough to where at the end of last season they decided, okay, you know, Badgley was Badgley was solid for us, but but this kid gives us a better chance long-term to have success in the kicking game. Obviously there's, you know, we look at the – we look at the at the leg strength based on what he does in games and his his career numbers from fifty plus yards, which obviously are, aren't great. I think he's only made one in his career from fifty plus yards, but they're seeing him every day in practice, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're not we're not. I don't I don't think when you're out there 
at at Grand Park, you're paying a whole lot of attention to the to the kicking game and who's who's banging them through the uprights out there. Um, and I, and you know, past just training camp, every day in practice, they've seen this guy for the last three years. So clearly, there was something there that they felt comfortable moving forward with him. I just I just clearly you weren't all that confident in him. If after one bad performance, exactly, you cut ties. You know, if you're if exactly. you if your belief is that strong in the guy. Um, you you flush Sunday and you move on and you give him another chance and and you you rely on that talent that that you were clearly banking on going into this season eventually showing itself. Well, clearly that didn't happen. That the Colts the Colts clearly weren't confident enough in him to say, okay, this this week won't performance. He's going to be fine moving forward. This is our guy. Um, and so I just wonder if if you weren't that confident, you know, you had the whole off season to address the position, and it's. I don't know what Ballard's philosophy is when it comes to drafting kickers, but we talked about it earlier this week. Bengals drafted a kicker sure. last year in Evan sure. McPherson, and we saw how that worked for them in the playoffs. I mean, if it's if it's really that strong a need, um, to me, and maybe maybe this year's kicking class wasn't great in the right. draft, right. and and maybe the free agency class wasn't great. I I haven't done enough research on those two things to know, but I I just think that it. Perhaps it was just one of those kick the can down the road. We'll we'll address it when it needs to be addressed, and it bit them on Sunday. I mean, they they could have addressed it, uh, gone out and gotten a real legitimate competitor for Rodrigo Blankenship to compete with in camp. Not a guy who was who was a rookie coming in. True. And they they didn't. Um, he clearly run, won the camp job easily because he was facing a guy that was overmatched, um, and uh, and we saw the result on Sunday. So. Um, I think it was probably botched a little bit, quite honestly, by the Colts' front office. I don't know if they'd admit to that publicly, but you just hope that that uh, McLaughlin um, or Haversick can can be the guy. I hope I said his name correctly. Yeah, you did. We're gonna have we're gonna have Lucas Haversick. I'm I'm hoping he's the guy just because of the name <laughs> Haversick. It reminds me of of John Havlicek. I agree. A distant relative. I'm with you. What this did show us, and we know this to be fact now, is. Behind the scenes, Bubba Ventrone, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, three key decision makers on the kicking position. This was clearly much more of a gamble than we knew publicly. The fact, and maybe it wasn't by their doing, but when when Rigoberto Sanchez went down, maybe that's when the questions of seeing him kick off in practice, like, oh, well maybe getting him out of his routine where now he has to add something else on his plate. It's a great point. You know, I, I just have a hard time believing those two kicks out of bounds to the left in the fourth quarter and overtime didn't have an impact on him pushing something to the right for that because, I mean, that, that thing was not close. Yeah. Um, just crazy, man. And um, and you're right. Maybe they just they're just looking for a guy who can do both. Um, who who can do both effectively and can't maybe, can't keep two kickers on the 53. Yeah, may, maybe it wasn't the 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 field goal that ultimately did it. Maybe it was more the the kicking out of bounds. Um, and and they or just, just the the thought of like, hey, you can't handle both. Right. It's just not right because now you're doubling the chance of having a mistake. And we saw that snowball already in, in basically a quarter of football. It's yeah. great. I mean, he was perfect in the first half. That's what's so bizarre. I mean, to somebody say, oh, watch, Rodrigo Blankenship was going to be out of a job. If someone told you that at halftime, yeah. you'd be like, man, what what's going to go wrong here? Right. 
And we, we that, that went to zero to hundred very quickly. That's the NFL for you, man. Yeah. I mean, all it takes yeah. is a couple plays, a couple it. missed opportunities, and all of a sudden you're on the streets looking looking for a new home. So, hope I, ho- I hope he finds one. I mean, I, like you said, the odds are probably stacked against him a little bit, but um, I, I think he's shown enough to to get another another at least a tryout of an opportunity at some point with another team. I hope that happens for him. Ashlyn Sullivan joining us after this very quick break. This is who's got next week two Jags Colts. Is the hex in Duval County about to be snapped? Full game preview next. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career? Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's officially week two. We need to figure out what's going on in Jacksonville. They, too, had a wild opener Against a familiar name, Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders. Wentz, Pete, with a game-winning drive. Ashlyn Sullivan was there, Jags team reporter. Ashlyn, thanks for coming on today, and please bring us into what you just heard from Doug Peterson as he begins to unpack his debut in Jacksonville. Yes, thank you guys for having me on. It was um, it was definitely a wild week one, I think, for all parties involved, a lot of teams. Um, and I will say I've been with the Jaguars now six seasons, and, and I was a little surprised about how devastating that week one loss was. It, it just felt different, and I think it felt different because the Jaguars were so close. And frankly, the past two seasons, the Jaguars haven't been in a lot of games. So when you lose, you never really felt like you had it, whereas this one, the Jaguars truly did feel like they were going to come back and win that game. So it was deflating for sure. And coach Peterson just spoke about that in his press conference um, saying it's a big accountability for this week, going into week two players have to make plays. They can't keep shooting themselves in the foot. He's tired of hearing about how young this football team is. Um, They played well enough to win week one. So kind of all the excuses are out the window. They show that they're good enough to win some games in the NFL. And basically said, Hey, Trevor's got to make the throws players have to make the catches and we got to stop missing tackles um kind of a different tone for coach peterson this week too but i don't blame him for being frustrated ashlyn you mentioned trevor lawrence having to make the throws obviously we saw him miss a couple early in that game which obviously came back to to haunt the jags uh perhaps when, when they were trying to come back there late but uh w- when you look at trevor's week one performance i guess overall how would you evaluate and assess from quarter one through quarter four and uh, any lingering concerns with him moving forward after the missed throws against the Commanders? I wouldn't say any lingering concerns, but we are at the point of his career, I would say, where you're expecting a step in the right direction. And we saw it a great example is Joe Burrow. And 
we'll use, you know, the things that were going against him. The offensive line didn't play great um, week one. And, you know, last season we kept going back to, okay, he doesn't have enough weapons. He doesn't have enough guys to throw to. Well, now he does. You know, now they went and spent a ton of money on Christian Kirk and free agency and drafted weapons. And the offensive line is taking a step in the right direction. We're at the point with Trevor where Coach Peterson said it this morning. He's got to start making the throws when they count, and especially in the red zone when they're open. You got to make them. And I think just for Trevor, Coach Peterson on the other side of that said, yes, it's a new offense. And hey, this was his first real week in this new offense. So a little bit of leniency towards that. That's going to take some time for Trevor to get the timing down. But but I will say the leash is short where they're expecting Trevor to, to take a step this season. No doubt about it. Ashland, some Colts fans are going to be scratching their heads saying, wait, make the throws. He was perfect in the finale last year, which ultimately <laughs> sent the Colts home and sent Carson Wentz, coincidentally, ironically, to Washington and started that domino effect. Point blank, was that his best game in the National Football League when you look back to this past season? Yes, I think as a complete game, yes. I think that was his best game. And that's kind of the thing with Trevor is he will have some wow moments, man. When you walk off the training camp field or the practice field, you go, my gosh, I've never seen Trevor look so good. And then there's some games like last week where he misses those open throws, say, okay, he's got some work to do. And that's just the thing I think with a young quarterback is the consistency we always talk about. Sure. Waiting for Trevor to have that complete game. I will say, yes, last game of the regular season last year was his most complete game I've ever seen him play. Now you want him to see that him do that more consistently. Ashley, you mentioned the weapons, uh, and certainly a guy who may be back earlier than some expected after a devastating injury last year, and James Robinson uh, suffers the torn Achilles in Week 16 and then comes out in Week 1, and it looks like the guy just doesn't miss a beat, uh, scores a couple of touchdowns in his, uh, in his return from the injury. I guess how impressed were you with James's return? Um, and, and I guess what was your level of surprise, or were you surprised to see him go out there and perform at that level in Week 1? I wasn't surprised at all, and especially after talking with James all of training camp. He's very matter-of-fact. Frankly, I think he's just so tired of talking about this injury. He's like, yeah, duh, of course I went out and performed. That's what I'm doing. I'm James <laughs> Robinson. That's kind of the tone I got, that he wasn't shocked he went out and performed because he really didn't miss a beat after coming off that injury. And, and Coach Peterson has kind of hinted at it, and, and we talked to the athletic trainers and the team doctors here in Jacksonville, that this Achilles no longer is this detrimental injury that it was 10 years ago. We've seen plenty of guys come back and not really miss a beat with this injury, thanks to modern science and, and the Jaguars training staff. Credit to them. James was in here every single day. I will say Coach Peterson just said when he was talking about the highlight of week one, and, and I guess the biggest positive you could talk about, he said he realized how good James Robinson can really be for us. Um, and a little bit of critique on, on how much the, tra- the coaching staff ran the ball with James Robinson. But I think Coach Peterson is, is a coach that's going to have that balance, and he wants to be more of a passing team. But I do expect maybe James Robinson to get more carries this week as we saw him be really successful in week one. It's interesting these names come up. Colts fans, Ashlyn and Pete, have flashbacks to, oh, my gosh, wait, I remember James Robinson. He was that undrafted rookie who went off in the wind to beat Philip Rivers in the opener two years ago. There are so many little chapters here in Indianapolis of going down to Jacksonville, expecting to win from a Colts fan's perspective, and then ultimately being stunned, figuring Gardner Minshew, oh yeah, of course he was going to go 19 of 20 and throw <laughs> the best game of his Jags career. Of course Lawrence is going to put up his best game. 
Oh, Andrew Luck's going to lose to Cody Kessler on like a 10-7 to game. Are you the person we need to blame here in Indy? You've been there six years. I don't think you've lost to the Colts at home during your run. I, no, last I checked, the Colts haven't won here since 2014, and I came here in 2017. And it, it is We talked about it this morning on our show. I, I can't think of a weirder a weirder stat, a weirder statistic <laughs> than, than this in the NFL. It's just it's so odd. And so many years, I would, I would make the argument six of those seven years – the Colts had a better team by far, um, especially last year. And the Jaguars, you know, upset them. And, and I, I heard a story that the Colts painted the final score of that game in their locker room. And I'm like, my gosh, it's, it's that serious. Really? Indianapolis. That's why, you know, Coach we, Peterson talked about. Hang on, Ashton. Where, where did you hear that story? Because we're both looking at each other as if that's news around here. I love that. What's Where did you get that one? Our co-host, Brian Sexton, read an article. I want to say it was on The Athletic. I'd have to double-check okay. that Frank Wright, after the Colts lost the Jaguars last regular season, went back and made a note to have the final score of that game painted in the locker room. Now, I don't know if that's true, because I would imagine you guys have been in the locker room, but we found that kind of funny um, that the Jaguars have their number like that. We're just not used to it, frankly, in Jacksonville, <laughs> to have a score painted in another locker room. Um, so rather interesting, yeah. Yeah, I, I I had not heard that, Chuck. You've you've been in the locker room. Have we I, seen any paintings, any murals? Now I'm gonna start looking around, starting at now availability we're bring tomorrow. A glass. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously you you look I back. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, you. Look, I mean, clearly the Colts are gonna be motivated for this game. You would hope, and and you look back at last season's performance, and I think from a Colts perspective, you almost have to throw it out the window because it was one of those, whatever could go wrong did go wrong. Um, and obviously this this Jacksonville team, you got a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. Asha, when you look at this matchup on paper, when you evaluate uh, Jacksonville week one, when you evaluate what the Colts did in week one, biggest advantage that, that you see in terms of from a Jacksonville standpoint going into this matchup and maybe your biggest concern for the Jaguars uh, heading into this game against the Colts? I'll say the the thing I pay most attention to always when we're talking about this Colts matchup is number one is always going to be Jonathan Taylor. And the Jaguars have prided themselves this offseason to do enough to stop the run. That was the Jaguars' Achilles heel last season. I mean, there were plenty of games going into halftime where the Jaguars couldn't stop the run, and you know it was just going to keep happening where they just wouldn't put themselves even in games because they couldn't stop the run. I do think they've made improvements in that area, and truthfully, I think this is the the true test this week one or this week two going against Jonathan Taylor. That's I think we'll, we'll find out how improved this Jaguars defense is. Biggest concern, funny enough, and, and maybe it's not funny, Michael Pittman. I just have nightmares about him, truthfully, <laughs> because I remember standing in Indy every single game and hearing Michael Pittman's name what felt like seventeen times. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, do something, put four guys on him, just. <laughs> make me stop hearing his name so yes Michael Pittman always haunts me in this Jaguars game I saw the targets that he got last week they're crazy um I believe that cornerback Tyson Campbell will float him which is a big challenge for Tyson it's I don't want to say it's something I worry about but when I talk about the biggest challenge I think this week I think that has to be number one for the Jaguars Ashton Doug Peterson was at Colts training camp last year Kind of pop, popped in for a few days just to, I'm sure, stay in it, uh, knowing that his return to coaching was a matter of of just time. What's been the biggest change that maybe someone like you is inside the organization who has 
recognized behind the scenes. We know your team employee, I get it. I'm sure last year, you know, you were gathering certain things um, and taking note of those and not necessarily talking about them publicly. But Doug Peterson, behind the scenes, what stuck out to you through six, seven months? Oh, my gosh. Everything. (laughs) Absolutely everything. I'll say the biggest, and I don't want to call it a surprise, but when Urban Meyer did get fired from Jacksonville and and when we had the conversations of possibly Byron Leftwich or maybe Doug Peterson, I just thought, okay, well, this is going to take months. This is going to take months of healing. This is going to take a guy who's going to have to come back and earn trust, and and this will not be an overnight fix. My gosh. What we just went through, God bless the man that comes in here because it's going to be a lot of work. (laughs) And when I say that Coach Peterson walked in this building and it was truthfully like flipping a switch – I'm not exaggerating. It was maybe a week, and this this locker room was singing his praises. I, I was shocked, honestly. And maybe it was just that he was such a breath of fresh air that the players were just so relieved. But they're still talking about it. Tyson Campbell said it on Monday. This is a Super Bowl winning head coach. We want to win. We're following this guy who has proven to win. It's not that difficult. This guy knows what he's doing. We're going to follow him. It, it's really that easy. And Coach Peterson doesn't ever say it in an arrogant way. But, you know, he's a Super Bowl winning head coach um, mm-hmm. and, you know, he knows what he's doing. You know, he knows what he's talking about. So it, it's been crazy. Truthfully, it, it's been a whirlwind when you look back at where the Jaguars were a year ago today. It, it's changed so quickly. And I think maybe that's what I'm most surprised about. Yeah, you talk about wanting to win. And obviously you bring in a guy in Peterson who has that that Super Bowl winning pedigree. But as you know, it, it, it can take time uh, to mm-hmm. to change a culture and, and to and to get guys to believe and buy in. And, and to get on that winning path, uh, I guess, Ashlyn, in, in year one under Doug Peterson, what what is what does success ultimately look like when when you look back at the end of the year? What what do the Jaguars need to do from a record standpoint, from an on field performance standpoint, for you to feel like it was a successful debut as a head coach uh, in Jacksonville for Doug Peterson? I just think, and, and maybe this is me downplaying the the expectations in this building. I just think they need to be relevant. And, and I know that's hard to say, but so many times we talk about at the end of the season, we have this joke, just be on the graphic. Just be in the very last <laughs> spot on the I graphic where everything has to go your way. But man, if it goes your way, you make the wild card spot. And and is that six, seven, eight wins? Maybe. And at this point, maybe that does seem a little lofty. I would say five to six is realistic for this team right now. But the past three years, this team hasn't been relevant and it's October and we're struggling with things to talk about. And you see it in the locker room, just, just win one, lose one, win one, lose one, go on a little streak here or there. You know, I don't think they ask for much, but I think they have the confidence that Doug Peterson is the guy. And I think what'll be a successful year is at the end of this season where you can absolutely confidently say Trevor Lawrence, our franchise quarterback. And man, look at the leap he took this year in year two. Then I think you're feeling really good with five or six wins. Trevor's your guy, and you're propelling forward. I'm with you. I think, look, the AFC South, where it's at from a quarterback standpoint, Matt Ryan's, we know this is a final chapter. Ryan Tannehill, if things implode in Tennessee, who knows what that situation looks like as early as next year. We know Malik, certainly fans are going to be chanting his name to get some snaps. Um, the Texans, despite what we were talking about one week ago, Ashlyn showed <laughs> us they've gotten better. And yeah. much like Doug Peterson, why I think Peterson was a great hire over Leftwich, even though I think many of us expected it to go to Leftwich. You know, 
a stability, a stabilizing voice and someone with a track record matters in those situations. Oh, sure. uh, yes. You know, Houston went through its own trauma uh, with Deshaun Watson, but um, I don't know where Lawrence ranks, but I think you're right. If there's a strong season here, I mean, there's an argument that he's not only the second best quarterback in the South right now, but there's no question he's among those five or six quarterbacks. If you were starting a team, you would take him. I know there's a long way to go, especially with what the tape you saw in the first half yesterday. Bring me back to one of your first seasons in Jacksonville. We're going to dub it up a little bit as the unique Ngakwe revenge game because, <laughs> you know, I think he's still second all-time on the sacks list there. Oh, yeah. Did you get time with him early in your tenure there? And if so, what are some stories you can pass along about the new Colts premier edge rusher? I, yes, I remember Unique so well. He is such a unique person. You'll never forget your interactions with Unique and Gawkway. <laughs> and that is credit to Unique. Truthfully, I've never met anyone like him. He has this intensity about him. And we see intensity all the time on the playing field. You want that. You need that. I don't think I've ever seen a, a player so intense off the field. Um, he hmm. never turned it off in Jacksonville. And, and I think he was always proving something here in Jacksonville and he had the the contract talk and the franchise tag and I just felt like always in our interactions in Jacksonville and when he was here he was always trying to prove people wrong and it's that chip on that shoulder that I don't think ever is going to go away for Unique and Gawkway and that's why I think it's such an incredible story for him he seems so happy in Indy he seemed like he's found his home and and his place where he's comfortable and and Truthfully, I, I want to see him have success because he's such a unique person that I've covered so early on in my career. Um, and I think he's a great a great grab for the Colts. Um, so I'm very curious to see if he can find some stability and, and find a home there in Indy. Ashley, quickly, we talked uh, about, obviously, we've talked a lot about the, uh, the the former number one pick in Trevor Lawrence. The the other number one pick on this roster, Trayvon Walker, another guy who's who's in that pass, uh, pass rush mold with Yannick Ngakwe, Certainly made quite an impression in, in his first outing on Sunday uh, with an interception and a sack. I guess what's the uh, what's the buzz in Jacksonville right now? Are we going to see a ton of Walker jerseys in the in the stands oh on Sunday? And how how excited um, is is the city and and, and the fan base uh, when it comes to this kid and what he saw or what we saw from him on Sunday in Washington? Yeah, an awesome awesome week one for Trayvon Walker, and we spoke to him post game. And we said, you know, can we expect more of this? And he said, well, I'm the number one overall pick. So, yeah, I have to make those plays. I'm expected to make those plays. So, Love yes, it. of course, I made them. Not in an arrogant way. It was just a matter of fact. Like, I was drafted number one overall. I, I, I need to do that. Um, Trayvon Walker, I will say, when the Jaguars drafted him this past draft, there were some hesitations. There were a lot of people that wanted Aiden Hutchinson, more of the proven pass rusher who showed it in college. And some doubts of, okay, well, Trayvon Walker's never had a solid one position. He was moved around so much in Georgia you know how do we know he's going to succeed at this one position week one showed us the Jaguars chokes right the Jaguars made the right <laughs> pick in Trayvon Walker we never doubted it in the building but I think fans needed that game to see oh okay you know they knew what they were doing they knew what they were talking about wow this is a great pick so yeah Trayvon Walker has absolutely exploded and I think he was so looking forward to just playing one position when he was drafted he kept talking about that having the chance to really succeed at one thing and I think we're seeing that. The, the guy is just a freak of nature. I, I've never seen someone so large move the way he does. I mean, he is just, when you see him walking down the hallway, he is just like a daunting figure, like a refrigerator moving towards you. <laughs> I just, I've never seen someone as big as he is. Scar scary, uh, scary 
thoughts there from Ashton for Colts fans. I think about how, about how Braden Smith it. played in week one and Matt Pryor on the other side. We'll, we'll, we'll have a moment of silence as we get ready to, to face <laughs> Trayvon Walker on Sunday. <laughs> Look, oh, gosh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> uh, the Colts are somehow favored. Um, is it still four? Four, Pete? yep, minus four. I don't know, you know, prediction time here. Uh, Pete, what else – what else could go wrong for the Colts and Jacksonville? I'm trying to think what hasn't happened since 2014. <laughs> what what is still left in the bag? Um, but no, I fully expect this to be a game that comes down to the last possession. I just I don't see the Colts cleaning up everything that went wrong early in Houston and just avenging this hex in some blowout fashion. I don't I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's a divisional game. Certainly we know how those can be just in in general in the NFL and um you know there there were a lot of areas that I think that were put on tape by the Colts in week 1 that Jacksonville will have a, a chance to exploit in week 2. Namely as we mentioned the the issue uh with with Braden Smith, obviously Matt Pryor a left tackle, I think he graded out a little bit better than Smith, but still some concerns over there. Obviously we know Trayvon Walker, Jacksonville's got some guys that can that can get after the passer. I do think that that the Colts will have uh, some chances to exploit some things on Jacksonville's side as well. Ashton, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Obviously, we saw Trevor Lawrence get hit ten times on Sunday. The offensive line uh, perhaps didn't perform from a pass protection standpoint as maybe was hoped uh, against the Commanders. Colts have a couple of guys, obviously, and Ngakwe, Quiddy Pay had a couple of sacks on Sunday. Uh, what's your concern level that, that that this Colts defensive line could wreck this game for the Jaguars in a way uh, kind of similarly to what the, the commanders did against Jacksonville on Sunday? I would have to say it's high, um, truthfully, just because that's what they showed me week one. And, and it wasn't a continuous thing. I think the offense line as a whole has taken a step in the right direction from last season. But when the game mattered most, that final drive where you had to give Trevor time to make something happen, the offensive line didn't perform. They didn't give him enough time. I think Ben Barch struggled at guard. I think Cam Robinson struggled at times at tackle. Um, and we knew, you know, this commander's defensive line, they had some household names that we knew would wreak havoc. Um, but truthfully, in this this day and age in the NFL, almost every team has a household name at defensive line. That defensive end position is so sought after now. I don't think you're going to get away from that. I do think that's maybe one of the highlights of this game is, is seeing if the offensive line can take a step in the right direction. Maybe they run the ball more knowing that they didn't perform as well in pass protection. Um, but I think the certainly have the advantage there final question here home opener new coach year two Lawrence what can we expect that atmosphere to be like Sunday because that has been something that's you know for good reason varied over the years depending on where we are in the season what the Jags record is what do you expect to see Sunday I think it's going to be rocking. I think it's going to be an extremely exciting after the Jaguars. The, the fan base is juiced up. And even after a loss, you know, truthfully, I was a little hesitant and scared that there would be the narrative of, oh, here we go again. Sure. Same old Jaguars. They lost. Right. Week one, great. Um, it's been totally opposite because we knew this team last year, two years ago, that wouldn't have been a game last year. Right. Down that much at halftime, the Jaguars just would have slid. The old Jaguars would have. So this is a different team. And, you know, I, I, find myself preaching that every season but it just feels different around here and I think this is a great chance to prove that and there's a lot of stake for both of these teams you know both of these teams I know you guys tied against the Texans last week to to go down in the division this early on the season I just think both these teams have a lot to prove and they they really can't afford to lose this week so it's just going to be an awesome game I think 
Ashlyn Sullivan, is there more doom coming in Duval County for the Colts? Appreciate your time. Thanks for jumping on and looking forward to seeing you on Sunday pregame. Absolutely. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ashlyn. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Every business is unique and has a target audience. If you own or manage a business, Circulus Digital Media can help you connect and grow your customer base with turnkey digital solutions that are nimble, offering best-in-class results, service, and support to reach a bigger customer base, allowing you to pinpoint a specific audience down to the smallest details. Get outside the city, the state, span the globe. Put Circulus Digital Media to work for you. Get started now at CirculusDigital.com. That's CirculusDigital.com. Thank you to Ashlyn Sullivan, Jaguars team reporter, Peter Hood, of course, and to you for watching coverage all week on Wish TV. Leading up to countdown to kickoff week two, 11 a.m. on Channel 8, live in Jacksonville Sunday. We will continue to monitor this kicking decision. I assume that would potentially come on Friday, who they're going to roll with, and... I hope you expected the unexpected here to start 2022. We'll see what shakes out down in Florida. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk soon. Check out more podcasts from the All Indiana Podcast Network now at allindianapodcastnetwork.com.